Welcome to Generation Tech, the show where we talk about technology from the perspective of multiple generations. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm joined, as always, by my dad, Jack. How are you today? I'm doing great, Todd. How are you? Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Over here on the left coast, things are kind of cool and cloudy, so I'm uh, uh, kind of enjoying that, except that I've got to do some work on a car today. And I'd, I'd prefer it to be a little bit warmer when, you know, you don't, cold fingers don't, don't do well. <laughs> and it's one of those things, it's like I have recently started doing more work on my car just because I've looked at how much I actually pay for certain things, you know. I, I found a part on my car that literally bolted in with eight bolts. And, yes, I had to remove a few other things to fit it into the car, but it was like the cooling fans for the radiator on one of my cars. And... Uh, you know, I called my mechanic who's done great work for me and I like him, but he's real busy and it always takes, you know, a week and a half to two weeks to get anything done. Uh, and he, you know, he said, oh, it's about 500 bucks for the part and another, you know, 400 or so to, to put it in. And I found the part, the exact same part, same brand and everything for 325. So I don't begrudge him the right to mark stuff up, but I looked at it and went, well, for 325 and it happened to be during my, my wife's, uh, holiday break. It was like, well, we don't really need that car, so I can take my time, and it's eight bolts. And if I get stuck, I can just have the whole thing towed over and say, here it is, fix it, and pay him the labor. Um, and so I, it took me three days, but I put in the part myself, and it's yep. been, been running fine. And so, you know, I, what was close to a thousand bucks turned into three hundred and thirty bucks plus, you know, my time. Right. You know. And yep. so I thought, well, you know, if there's things like that, I can do then I should do that. So anyway, the next thing came up and, and I, the, the front brakes on my truck need to be replaced, the pads. And I thought, well, that's not that hard. I've done that before when I was younger. And, you know, the pads cost me, uh, you know, oh, $30. Yeah. And, and yet it's a $250 job to get done, you know, anywhere. So I thought, well, I'm going to do it yep. myself. So that's my to-do today. So hopefully I'll be able to get it done. This time I'm under a little bit of a time constraint, though, because I need to use the vehicle later in the day. So, Well, good yeah. for you. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. You know, I, I remember back when I was a young guy, I used to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Mostly because I couldn't afford to do it even back when it was much, much cheaper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's like uh, I had a Mercury Capri that I drove for a while, and it was actually your car, and um, uh, it was the Capri mine. I don't remember. Anyway, and the Beetle, you know, and I've changed out, uh, you know, the the water pumps and things like that on those cars in the past. And so it's like, it's, like, it's not like I'm, I'm foreign to it. It's just something I got away from when I was, you know, uh, busy and raising kids and working and you know I did it, then at that point in time my time was more valuable than than the 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 money but I've got more time now so it's like well yeah you know well as you long know as I go uh, slow I'm fine the the other thing that was really good I'm I'm talking about when I was in high school and I had an older brother to work with mm-hmm. and he was he was the daring one and uh, he he you know quickly delve into these things and then ask me to help. And mm-hmm. so I would, and it was a learning experience. I mean, I learned so much doing that. And, but, but one time we, we really went over the, the hill. We had an old Buick and he decided that because it, it really needed an overhaul, it was leaking or the gas, the head gasket was leaking. Right. You know? Yeah. So you got to pull and the engine what, apart to really fix that. Right. Yeah. And so we pulled the engine out of the car Got it up on the a bench that we had in the garage, uh, and uh, got the head off, 
And then, of course, while we're at that, you don't take the head off very often. And uh, we uh, noticed that there was some indication of, uh, uh, in addition to the head, ca- uh, head gasket leaks, that there was probably something wrong in one of the cylinders. And so we needed rings. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon we overhauled the whole car. I mean, we had to pull the pan off and pull mm-hmm. the pistons out, you know, and all this. But, you know, that was a, that was a heck of an experience. And we got it back together, and it ran great, mm-hmm. you know. Now, the only downside was, uh, as young kids, uh, as soon as we got it back together, Dad said to us, now, you know, you got to break in that engine carefully or you'll ruin it, the whole job. Right. So we, had, we hadn't even thought about that. We were thinking, you know, go out and. Yeah. Good to have the wisdom of somebody it. who's been there and done that uh, <laughs> to, to, to remind you that, hey, by the way, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we yeah, got to preface so that, this all too. Was, you grew up on a farm, so there was all kinds of tools and stuff to fix the farm equipment, and so that's so right. so you had that access. Was, that was, yeah. You know, a farmer couldn't afford to be in business if he did, wasn't a mechanic at, at the same time. I right. Mean, my dad was just great at that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, so not only did you have a resource, but you also had the tools there to to say, let's keep right. this sucker running because you know, farmer can't can't live if the tractor doesn't work, right? You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's. Well, and, and the other downside of the whole thing was dad says, now you're not going to leave that engine sitting in the garage for weeks at a time. He says, I got work to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we had to get it done. You know, had to, he was going to kick our butts if we didn't yeah. get it done. Get it out of there. Yeah. He says, you'll find it out in the middle of a, of a, of a empty field if, 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 if it's there when I need to use that space. Yeah. So, so yeah. Anyway, that, that was a mechanical technology. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It, you know, still is, uh, you know, unless you've got an electric it. car. I mean, there's lots of electronics controlling them these days, but it's still basically a mechanical device that, you know, burns fuel to make it go. It's, you know, well, the, the basic the premise hasn't it, changed much. You, you know, there's there's still differences in every car that you tear apart, too. So sure. It, Lots of different ways to, to do things. Yeah. Well, and and that and that's what becomes tricky, right? Is like you know you've got to know exactly what it is you've got because because the part that you need for your engine is different than the part that they need on you know fifteen other engines. Oh, yeah. And and even from same manufacturers, they can use the same block in different vehicles, and they can use different parts on it to get different effects out of that engine, right? So. Um, yep. So yeah, you've got to be very careful about what you get and make sure it's used right. Like mine, my uh, my truck has a, a four liter V six uh, uh, iron block Ford engine in it. Well, that's a engine that Ford has used in lots and lots of things over the years. It's a workhorse engine for them, uh, but it's been tuned lots of different ways and set up lots of different ways. Some with carburetors, some with uh, uh, you know, um, uh, electronic ignitions and, and instead of distributors, I mean, there's, there's, you yep. know, you know, it's, there's just, it's, it's a very versatile engine set up lots of different ways. Mine still has a, a place where the block is basically designed to hold a distributor and it's got a sensor that goes in there instead of a distributor now, cause it goes to an electronic ignition. So, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, cars go figure. So guess right. what? Today is the 31st of January, and on the 27th of January, four days ago, we had an anniversary. The iPad was 12 years old. Steve Jobs introduced the first iPad on the 27th of January, 2010. Yeah, that was a big day. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people looked at it and kind of went, 
well, it's just a big iPad. And yeah, but it's also a lot more. It's very different. You know, it's 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 not oh, yeah. been the smashing success success. Yeah, it has not been the, the 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 success that the iPhone has been in terms of total sales, but it has been uh, a a sea change in terms of. Uh, you know, creating a whole new category of device that really didn't work until the iPad came along. And although there's lots of Android pads out there, none of them have really taken off. I just recently saw that Google is really saying that they're going to emphasize tablet devices going forward, that that's, that's a big thing for them. That's the area they want to see growth in, um, you know. But the, the iPad at this point has been firmly established as sort of the, the go-to I think Windows has done okay. Microsoft's done okay with their little Surface pads, you know, and I've seen a few of those in the wild, but nothing like iPads. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we were talking the other day. I, I still have, and so do you, your your original iPad, right? That was, you know, it, it's funny because now when you pick that up, it feels, you know, it feels like it's a half inch thick. It feels like it's ginormous compared to, <laughs> to the new ones that are bigger screens and, and less borders and less thickness. And, um, yep. Yeah, so... The first iPad was literally a half inch thick. It weighed 1.5 pounds, and it contained the then new A4 chip. And we're on what the A14 now, something A15, something like that. Uh, the basic model was 499 and had 16 gigabytes, uh, or it was 629 if you wanted to have 3G with it, so that it could attach to uh, cellular. Which, by the way, I don't know if you were aware, the middle of this month, 3G goes away. So if you have any old 3G devices or old 3G phones that you've been able to continue to use or use occasionally, you can't use that anymore. And in fact, a lot of cars are upset, people are upset because if you had like um, the, uh, what, what is it that, uh, I think it's GM sells it, but it's in other cars too, the OnTrack system that gives you like the emergency calling and stuff, that uses 3G. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And so that all gets shut down. Um, there's a fair number of like um, GPS devices that also use the cell network uh, with 3G. For a long time, um, Kindle devices, if you bought them with wireless, they would download um, uh, your book for you when you're out, you know, away from Wi-Fi, and those used 3G. So if you have an old Kindle device that that was um, uh, had cellular capabilities in it, um, and some of these companies had like a flat fee deal with the providers because the amount of data was so small so like on the kindle devices you paid an extra hundred bucks or something up front but then you didn't pay any cellular fees it just used the cellular network to download a book but that's all it could do was download a book and that would you know be you know a couple yeah. mega, couple couple megabytes of data and then be done um and so uh yeah anyway Took a while though at that speed huh yeah but the but the, the kindle books are very very small i mean they're they're you know, I mean, they might even be less. Than, I mean, if they're a megabyte, they're very small. You know, the, that compresses down to almost nothing, and you know, it's just text that then formats yeah, but the on the Kindle, screen. The, the, their Kindle itself could could hold a hundred books, couldn't it? Oh or, yeah, yeah, it's still oh. yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, they can hold many, many books, and most people, you know, I think most people didn't buy the wireless version because they figured I could just download what I wanted before I left, and and I'd be fine. Um, Early on, when I had a Kindle, I had one that had the wireless because my my feeling, and I do this with iPads too, is uh, I tend to get the ones that have the wireless capability, even if I don't 
use it a lot. I don't may I don't have to turn it on. Um, but I like the ability like to be somewhere else. And, and I also, because I coach on a pool deck, I'm in places where there's not Wi-Fi very often. So I will have an iPad with me. Um, and you can always tether off your phone too. You know, there's that way of doing things, but, um, I just like the idea of being able to take my iPad wherever I am and be able to use it any way I want uh, and not be well, limited. Was, yeah, that was great for us when we were full-time RV and I had right. that. But, mm-hmm. but since then, I've it, all my newer devices don't, don't have it anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, your iPad <laughs> does. Uh, well, that's right. I got that from you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the way I set them up. Now, again, you don't have to use it. You don't have to pay a fee. Um or you could do um, the thing where, you know, and I don't know if a lot of people are aware of this too, but like those little um, um, uh, cellular plans, the, you know, pay-as-you-go cellular plans, you can go do that and pay for a couple gigabytes of data and put a SIM in there. You can go buy it at Walmart or Target or a gas station or whatever and, you know, use it while you're out doing something and then and then just don't pay for it the next month. And that way, that, that way if right. you know you're going to be doing something, if you're going to be out and about in a way – you can do it for a short period of time. And I used to do that, too, sometimes. You know, uh, I yeah. still do that sometimes. There, uh, If you do a little research, you can find out which cellular networks the the um, the prepaid cellular plans use. And, uh, you know, I have T-Mobile on my, my regular phone. My family uses T-Mobile. And it works great in the places that I'm at. But, it, you know, if you get out away from cities and stuff... T-Mobile doesn't generally have as good a reach as uh, as Verizon, but Verizon's very expensive, and so I don't want to pay for Verizon every day. But I will go buy a uh, prepaid plan um, that resells Verizon, and I've got yeah. a, and I've got a phone that I'll stick the SIM in, and go use that. Uh, uh, and sometimes, like when we're traveling somewhere, I'll bring that extra phone along, and that way I uh, I increase the chances that I've got signal somewhere just in case because we're out on the road somewhere, you know. Um, yep. You know, and for the cost of a, you know, a prepaid cellular plan is 20, 25 bucks. I figured that's cheap insurance. Yeah. So anyway, iPads, 12 years old, um, you know, and it, for, I don't know about you. Well, I do know about you because we've talked about this before. For me, the iPad has become my primary device when I'm not sitting in front of my computer. When I'm sitting in front of my computer, I use my desktop computer, and I've got a giant screen in front of me that I literally have to turn my head to see all of it. Um, you know, it, it, it basically fills my field of vision at the distance that I sit from this monitor, um, and and I'm happy with that. I like that. I have a laptop. I hardly ever use my laptop anymore. And, in fact, I, I had thought about, like, you know, at some point, because this is attached to a Mac Mini, I had thought about um, maybe getting a laptop and plugging it in and using that instead of the Mac Mini, and that way, then if I wanted to grab it, I could take everything with me and go, right? And it would be it would literally be my desktop machine most of the time, yeah. but I could take it with me. But I started looking at the price differences and said, you know, I don't know that I can justify the price difference for how little I actually use my laptop. It's just uh, when I'm when I'm not here, I'm using my iPad now. Um, you know, most recently when I traveled to visit you uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, I didn't even bring a laptop with me. And I think that's the first time when I've traveled where I didn't even bring it and didn't miss it one bit because I don't use it. I don't use it when I'm here. There's no reason to use it when I'm on the road. Yep, I'm I'm with you. There are very few things where I really need a computer anymore. Mm-hmm. I had really considered getting a, an M1 computer, but yeah. uh, I think the only way they'd get me to get an M1 computer now 
as if I had iPad capability on it. Right. Well, you do. The M1, by default, in the current operating system, allows you to run iPad apps on the computer. Uh, not like an iPad, though, with touch. No, not like an iPad with touch, because the computer does not support touch. You're right. But so. the um, And the, the caveat is that the developer of the iPad or iPhone app can block it from running on a Mac, which... I think is dumb. I think it just should run on whichever. Apple should have just said, look, here's the deal. It runs on whichever device. If you don't want them running your your iPhone or, or iPad app on the Mac, then make a Mac device. Otherwise, it, that they'll use that, you know. But Apple's yeah. blocking it. And there's no reason technically to block it. They're just doing it because they're trying to be kind to the developers. But from the developer's perspective, I don't understand why they would say, I don't want you to use my iPad app on the Mac, you know. They want to sell you another one, apparently. Right, but but some of them don't even have another one. It's like if you have another one, fine. You know, I fully understand that. If if you've got a Mac app that works better in that environment than 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 putting up a touch app on a non-touch device and having to use a mouse or a touch a trackpad, then fine. I I totally understand that and can get behind you blocking me from running the iPad app there because you've got an alternative that's better. But if you don't then there's no reason for you to, to say, I can't run it. I think that's wrong. I think Apple is wrong-headed about that. But maybe they've got you know, some issue with their developers that, they're, that, that there's a reason for it. But, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So. By the, by the way, you, you seem to be uh, in an environment where you, you do have a laptop that you use, like look up stuff while we're on the uh, – uh, the no, show I'm stuff. sitting in front of my desktop machine with my big screen. That's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> I don't now, use my laptop. I, I was thinking of you when I sent you this little uh, uh, link to uh, Apple fans are going wild for universal control on iPad and Mac. Yeah. Did you see how neat that is? I've seen it, you know, and that's something you've been able to do on on iPads and Macs before by loading in special software or using a special hardware device that then kind of created a virtual desktop across devices. But now it's just built in, and I think yeah. that's it's yeah, it's very cool. Um, yeah. uh, in order for it to work, though, I understand that uh, you must have universal. Um, well, the latest versions. Well, the I have OS. the la- yeah, I have the latest versions of the OS, but I understood that in order for it to work, I also had to have an M1 Mac. Uh, am I incorrect in that? Can I do it with my with my Intel Mac? I didn't see that caveat, but then I wasn't looking for it. Uh, I mean, I'm not I thought sure. It just, had, uh, it just has to do with the first public beta of the Mac OS Monterey 12.3. Well, 12.3 just shipped. Yeah, well, that's a it's first that's, beta. It's beyond that, beyond beta. Then so yeah, that's twelve point three has that, shipped. Um, yeah, because that shipped last that, week. Yeah, that's the OS that's needed, and I don't see M one anywhere in the article. So I'm pretty sure yeah. you don't need it. Okay, well, I haven't tried it yet. Then you know, uh, my my uh, my mini is the twenty eighteen mini that was in the dark gray color because it was supposed to be the pro mini and it was the maxed out mini so it was their uh i7 with 64 gig of memory and two terabytes of space i mean it was as as juiced up as i could make it 
And, you know, essentially I look at that and go, I'm not sure I can justify upgrading that either, you know, cause it's, it's, well, I guess it's four years old now. Um, uh, yeah. four year old, although I didn't buy it right when it first came out. Um, but I mean, partially the reason I got it was because my Mac mini prior to that was a 2012 and it was no longer being supported in the latest versions of the operating system. And so, you know, it was sort of like, okay, that one's got to move up. And I still run one of the 2012s with an old version of the operating system as a like home server. Um, and I suppose I could migrate this one to being my home server and look at an M1 Mac. And that's probably what I'll do at some point. But, uh, you know, there's they're rumored that this this spring they're supposed to um, come out with the because right now if you go look to buy a Mac Mini on the Apple website there is a uh, you know there's the M1 Mini and then the high end Mini is still an Intel Mini um, and so the rumor is is that that high end Mini will be replaced with an M1 Pro or an M1 Max or both uh, in like march and so that's what we're kind of looking to see my question to myself is is do i really need that you know yeah i don't do any high-end heavy work i mean yeah i've got a fully loaded intel one now but what do i do that really needs that i've got um i've got istat menu running you know and it tells you like how much of your memory is being used and how much of your your C- your CPU is being used and what your average load is and I, you know I'm I'm not pegging this what, machine very much so it's hard to justify. Yeah, what, one of the things I've been thinking about now that they have an M1 Mac, uh, iPad out is with that iPad and keyboard and and stuff can you use it with a mouse and everything and maybe do a lot of the uh, uh, OS kinds of things and within ios like uh clicking on uh, a play controller with a control key held down and bringing up uh the menus that you get with with a computer that's important to me because there's a lot of ways that i want to download things mm-hmm. uh that generally you don't i don't use the ipad for because that's you know when you say download on the ipad uh it's just about limited to PDF or something that you see, you know. Well, uh, well, what it is is it, it literally has to be something that you have a device that or an app that knows how to open it, right? You can download anything you want on the iPad, and it ends up in your download folder. But if you don't yeah. have an app designated to handle that, then you know it doesn't yeah. know what to do with it. It's just an unknown file. Uh, I guess that's true of the Mac too, though. Although in the yeah. Mac operating system. The operating system itself, due to the preview app and, and you know, and uh, uh, they've got, like, QuickTime that understands most video formats, you, you know, it pretty much recognizes whatever kind of app you bring down. Right. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, I, I would love to just see how, uh, if, if uh, iPad, well, the M1 version of it, you know. Uh, yeah. Will, will do... A lot of those things. I, I expect it will. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I was excited when they when they said that they weren't using an A chip in the pros, when they said, hey, it's going to get an M1. Um, but what I was excited for was a potential that has not yet been realized, and we'll see if they're going to do it. But when you take that iPad and you set it into their 
$300 keyboard that has a touchpad on it, and you can run a cursor. There's no reason they shouldn't be able to like push a button and have it flip into Mac OS. So that, yeah. that, that yeah. iPad runs the same processor. Um, it lets you run Mac OS. I mean, it, it could let you run Mac OS. You would have a touch interface that's not on the screen, you know, and and it uh, and a keyboard, and it would do everything that a laptop Mac would be able to do as fast as the laptop Macs can do, and would give you an ultra light carry along Mac if you wanted it, or pop it off of the keyboard, and now you've got your iPad again, you know. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be even automatic when you when you log in. All it should do is put a little icon down in the in the touch bar next to where the uh you know in, in the bottom they should just add a finder button right and that finder button says click on the finder button and suddenly now it's a mac instead of an ipad and then and in the right. mac in the in the in the control bar at the bottom they should have uh you know a uh a launch pad <laughs> in fact if you look at a mac yeah. today the, the the left two icons by default are the finder and launch pad and if and and yeah. for a long time, if you click on Launchpad in the Mac, it gives you an interface that looks just like an iPad. It's a bunch of iPad, you know. It's it's right. it's, it's Springboard. It's a bunch of icons, bunch of icons. lined up, you know. And so yep. if they use that same toggle on the uh, on an iPad Pro when it's plugged into uh, the keyboard, you know, and when it's not plugged into the keyboard, then all you get is Springboard. You get that Launchpad, that, you know, the the typical right. interface. But you know, if you so for three hundred bucks, you can turn your your iPad Pro into a uh, you know a portable Mac if you want it, or a or keep it as an iPad. To me, that would be the perfect mix, right? And then have yeah. the the Files app point to the same, obviously the same file structures, you know, or at least the same download folder. You should have a few few folders in common, right? So you can get to them either way. Yeah. Well, um, you know, the the real problem from a consumer standpoint is those people like you and me who spend let's say 95 to 98 percent of our time on ipads uh i mean uh it may be two or three weeks before i go back to the uh, mac and then i almost forget how to use it yeah i mean you know for uh, maybe it's it's just being old, I don't know. <laughs> no, but I, I know what you mean. You get used to doing things certain ways, and, I mean, you do it more than I do. I have, uh, I mean, because I have this desktop Mac that I work at uh, often, uh, this yeah. is, you know, I use the Mac every day. Uh, I just don't use my laptop anymore, but I use the Mac. So I go back and forth oh. between them. But I'll tell you, there have been times when I am doing something on my iPad and I've got it in my little keyboard case and I'll do it in the Mac way, you know, by reaching to the touchpad and clicking on something and then realize, oh, wait a minute, I could have just touched that. Or um, I don't do it on the desktop very much because it's just such a big screen. But when I was using my laptop, I there were t- occasions where I'd reach up and touch the screen and go, oh, yeah, I can't do that here. Yeah. You know? One of the things that I really haven't done very much uh, – is anything other than just uh, Skype or uh, uh, Zoom uh, with a with the with using the iPad, but using it with a TV screen, a big a big screen, in other right. words. Right. Mm-hmm. But but I think there are that I, things I'd like to do more. Just uh, put it on the screen, see it there, but also for touch purposes and control, you still have to have it on your iPad. But I just like a, I guess it's like a mirror uh, thing to the TV. 
I can see it in both places I, because it depending on the app. But if it's a if it's a, a visual app like uh, looking at uh, uh, old art and stuff like that, you know, uh-huh. like we have on the the TV app. Right, Artcast uh, is the app on the Apple TV yes. that we use. The, but but you'd have you can have similar kind of things like that on the iPod, and therefore you'd like it have it just on a bigger display, you know. Mm-hmm. But but sit here and control it from your iPad. Yeah. You know, especially if you're showing uh, people who are visiting, you know, some things that you're doing. Yeah. It's it's nice to have the iPad projected on the on the TV. Right. But you can do that. I don't understand what you're asking. Well. Uh, I'd like to do it with a better screen. You know, can you can you do that same kind of thing to the if I were to get a nice monitor? Yeah, you can do you it. Know, you, you can do the AirShare to any Mac. Um, you can do it to any monitor, but then you have to use the Apple TV. You have to attach an Apple TV to it so that you can share to your Apple TV, or you can do it to any TV that has the AirShare cap- AirShare two capabilities built in, which a lot of them do now. Um, you know, or or your Apple TV device attached to it. Oh, if I were to go buy a new TV, I'd want to look for AirShare built in. Huh? Air, yeah, AirShare Two is built into a lot of Samsung, LG, and Sony televisions now, um, and, oh. and some of the other brands as well. I mean, I just those are like three. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, I haven't. But you don't need. I mean, TV. right now you've got an Apple TV attached to your television set. You can share to that, and and as long as your TV is pointing to your, you know, using the HDMI port that your apple tv is plugged into you can share anything that's on your on your ipad screen to the big screen yeah yeah i guess you're right uh i was i was thinking about uh doing it with something higher resolution but i guess i could upgrade my tv to a 4k or even 8k today right yeah i mean there's not any 8k um uh, Apple TV material that there's almost nothing that's 8K that I, I can't even think of anything that's being broadcast in 8K that you could take advantage of 8K. Um, yeah, and the but TV that doesn't. Are, that's not saying it won't expensive. come. Yeah, that's not saying it won't come. But you're paying a pretty high premium to get something that maybe will be adopted and maybe won't. Um, right. You know, right now if you go to a theater projected on the giant screen in a theater, it's 4K. So I can't imagine that we're going to jump to 8K real soon. Uh, now that means that doesn't mean that they're not filming a lot of stuff in 8K, but then then they film it in 8K because they can then crop it in and still have 4K images. Yeah, you know, yeah. or downsample it. That way they you know they they gives them a lot more versatility as a as a filmmaker. So a lot of like um, video devices used for for television and movies is is 8K. But um, yeah, I think if you, a 4K TV is you you see the difference between that and the 1080p, um, but I think we've talked about this before. The the bigger difference is make sure that you get one that is um, uh, got the high dynamic range. The um, uh, and there's a couple standards. There's two different standards there um, as far as you know doing the the getting you well, the, the the higher quality, quality color. It's what it right. does is it gives you yeah just a better uh, uh, base color palette and so. It's it makes things look much more natural. Uh, unfortunately, I've not seen any 1080p TVs that ha- do that. If you if you do that, it's always in a 4K. So you're going to get the higher resolution as well as the the better color. Uh, right. But that to me is more important. Uh, but that's uh, even even in the the less expensive machi- uh, TVs now, you're getting that HDR um, 
you know, high dynamic range. You know, you just you you one of them is a Dolby standard, and you have to pay for uh you know pay Dolby fees to use their standard, and it's the better standard. But the other standard is is quite quite good, and it's an open standard, and so you can buy that even on like the least expensive 4K TVs now. So yeah. So. Um, but anyway, I. When I bought my TV, I have a 55 incher. Mm-hmm. That was that was when their 65 was sort of the pushing the state of the art. Right. And I'd read I'd read an article that basically said uh, you absolutely do not need uh, 4K for a 55 inch television. You know, yeah. and they gave all the reasons for it. Well, but it, it depends on how far. That, yeah, it depends on how far away you sit as well. You know, there, there's it's a, there's a there's a um, a math involved in terms of like how much you can resolve in terms of resolution oh if you sit right in front of it like you know three feet away yeah yeah but but nobody does that yeah well you say nobody does that i'm sitting about three feet in front of a 4k television set right now that i use as my monitor for my for my computer oh i got it uh and that's why i say it's it's a 40 inch but it's a 4k 40 inch and so it's ginormous but it's you know sharp as a tack uh so Oh, I got you. Okay. You know, but I'm sitting three feet away. That's not how you'd normally watch television, right? Television, you back right. up more. So, um, but yeah. Yeah. No, a, a couple of years ago, I think it was last year, maybe. Yeah, it was just last year, I guess. They, um, the uh, television sets, the, the, you could get a 75 inch, tele- if you looked, you could get a 75 inch television set that was 4K and had HDR uh, for 500 bucks. Yeah. Well, you know. those are made for home theaters. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I thought about getting a bigger TV from my living room and, and it would just almost look out of place. You know, <laughs> I disagree, but okay. <laughs> I like it. Right. Um, the reason I know this is cause I, I shopped them and it was, it was Christmas of, of the, the year that switched from, uh, 2019 to 2020. So I guess it was two years ago. Um, cause you could still go get things without, uh, being, uh, masked up. And, uh, so it was before COVID it was the, the, the Christmas right before COVID. And I went, I got a Best Buy had a, a, like a black Friday deal and I never do black Friday, but I bought it online and went and picked it up at the store. And I have an LG 75 inch 4k HDR TV that's in our living room. And I absolutely love it. Yeah, I absolutely love it, you know, and it doesn't look any worse than the now I, I had had you. You've got a 55. I had a 65 already or a 60. I had a 60 inch. So this was, you know, uh-huh. it was significantly bigger than the 60 inch. But um, uh, but the quality of the image and the the HDR of the of the picture is just astounding. Yeah. And I per- yeah. personally wanted LG. Uh, I wasn't going to spring for the. Um, the uh, OLED, which they're known for, but I like the um, their their underlying operating system. They bought out um, the guys that used to do uh, Palm Pilot Handspring, and they had WebOS, and so their yeah. underlying operating system is WebOS. Um, and I kind of like that. Things I had read about that, and I have L- I have LG, and I uh, don't think that has WebOS. Yeah, I think yours is old enough that it was predates their 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 buyout of web os and installation into all their televisions that said i never use any of their built-in apps at all 
I switched to Apple TV. Yeah. You know? It's funny because we talk about Apple TV, and, you know, there's a lot of people who go, well, like, I would never buy one of those. I use my Fire Stick or my Google Chrome device or whatever, my Roku, because you can get those for, you know, less than 50 bucks, and uh, and they give you all the same apps. Even Apple TV is now available. Apple TV Plus is available on these other devices. Um, but, you know, my brother has ha- had an experience that illustrates why I use the Apple TV. He he pays for Roku or was it Roku? No, Amazon TV, I think it is, or Hulu TV. So in addition to just the stuff that streams on Hulu, he gets like live television and stuff. And he pays that like he pay, like you would pay for a cable box or something like that. He pays Hulu, right? So he streams it through his his Amazon Fire device. And particularly when he's watching live events, say like a football game for his beloved Rams, go Rams, because he was very, very happy yesterday. Um, oh, yeah. He they um, uh, he he had problems where it would just hang up. It would like stop, freeze, and and what you oh in the big game too, yeah right? oh yeah <laughs> and you're watching something that's just like oh knife through the heart come on guys you know if you're gonna freeze up don't do it now <laughs> you know um, but part of the issue is is that you know those devices have much smaller um, uh, buffers. The Apple TVs, part of the reason you're paying for more money is because they have more more memory and more buffer built into the device. And so when you're watching the thing real-time, real it's downloading stuff in the background at two or three times the speed at which you're watching it and buffering it in the device. So if there's any little hiccups or, or, or dropouts in your, your Internet connection, um, it just moves right over those because it's, it's showing you video from the buffer instead of live as it comes across the Internet. And so it's a much more comfortable viewing environment, especially if you have, you know, flaky Internet or Internet that that goes up and down in terms of its, you know, uh, speed capabilities. Um, you know, you know, that's that's what worries me about the talk of, of uh, putting everything on the Internet. Eventually, the Internet's so crippled already. Yeah. Uh, well, I, in, in certain places it is. And and. That's the thing. I, I'm with you. It bothers me a lot because I happen to live in one of those places where my choices for internet providers are exactly one. Yeah. There aren't. There is no other options in my neighborhood. There's no cable connections in my neighborhood. The only choice I have is AT and T. Now I can buy AT and T through a reseller because there's other people who will sell the same connection because AT and T is required by law to let resellers resell it. But it's still an AT and T connection. And I'll tell you what, anytime I see an AT&T truck in the neighborhood, I cringe because if they're coming to help somebody with their problem, they invariably knock somebody else offline. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's a minute or two, sometimes it's a day or two. Yeah. You know, as they, you know, as you complain that you you don't you lost your service while they were in in the neighborhood hooking somebody else up. Um and, and it used to be really bad. I will say the last couple times that I've seen them, I have I haven't gotten knocked offline. That doesn't mean it's not somebody else. Maybe it's because I I complain immediately if my internet goes down. I mean, the guy's still out there working on the box, and I'm complaining if I get knocked offline. Uh, and in fact, I know I know where the DMARC boxes are for the cable hookup, so I know where the cable guys attach both um, in our neighborhood and as it comes into our neighborhood. <laughs> I will walk over or drive over to where they're at and tell them, "Hey, you just knocked me offline." Yeah, yeah, I have AT and T TV. Yeah. So, but, but uh, I'm glad that, uh, and and of course, then that gets I, means I have the internet that comes with it. Right. But the internet 
the internet is just regular as can be about five o'clock when everybody starts getting home, right. switching on their stuff, man, it goes to hell about five o'clock every day. Yeah. You can set your watch by it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, you know, AT&T's in, unless you've got their fiber product, it's basically DSL and it's it's um uh it's a star network and you're sharing a hub with up to 256 other people and and it doesn't handle that load nearly as well as as the cable company's technology works. So if you've got Comcast or something like that, they've got a, a better bandwidth and a better way of doing it just because of the the types of wires and the way their network is laid out. But um it's 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 frustrating and you know especially because i have no choice uh where i had lived previously i had you know i could pick between a couple different vendors and a couple different technologies here i I might my other choice these days would be um and and i've looked into it it's not yet available in my area but uh, i could soon there's going to be a 5g modem that you can put in your house and and then get home internet that way uh and then the other thing i've looked at is Starlink, which is Elon Musk's satellite network, and yeah. I looked at that. Um, they want ninety bucks a month for the internet connection, and uh, like a four hundred or five hundred dollar upfront cost to buy the dish and, and receiver. Um, uh, and I tell you what, if 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 my AT and T had continued to be flaky, I would have probably looked at that more seriously. But uh, yeah, I wonder how much how they're selling. I don't know. I yeah, I have no idea what they're what they're uh you know how well they're doing in that i got to imagine that there's got to be places that you know if you live rurally that makes a lot of sense oh yeah you know that makes a lot of sense something that they don't support yet which i thought i i thought would have been an area they moved on more quickly and maybe they will shortly is people who live like you used to you know rvers uh, if you're mobile but right now you literally are licensed to use it in a location and it's not designed or set up to to be allowed to use in, in multiple locations but it's not like the old uh, satellite tvs where you had to like when you got someplace align it and aim it at a satellite because there's you know hundreds right. of these little satellites flying over so it just points straight up at the sky so it's, you know the yeah. only thing you have to do is not park under a tree and you're good to go <laughs> i've done that too yeah parked in and fact- you couldn't see things because of a tree yeah, in fact, one of my favorite campgrounds was in the capital city of Florida, uh, and they have what they call big live oak trees there. Uh-huh. And the oak tree, the oak trees cover oh maybe fifty yards uh, across the diameter of the tree, and right. they park about five spots. Uh, at least the tree we were under, there were four other rigs with us under the same tree. Wow! So you can see big how big trees. that tree is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it was ama- it was amazing. It was a beautiful tree, but but if you had to depend on looking straight up, you you know you're going to look into the tree. Yeah, yeah, it does you no good. It's beautiful, but yeah, it's like, yeah. do you have a spot that's a little less pretty? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was one of my memorable RV parks because it was so unique. And, that sounds pretty. And, uh, yeah, the the other thing that was really neat about. Uh, and I can't even think of the name of the town now, but that town had a uh, a wonderful swamp, even though it wasn't on the coastal area mm-hmm. where uh, it had gators and everything else in it. Uh, a big park and uh, all kinds of wildlife. And- <laughs> now, that's unique. I don't know how many people have ever used the word wonderful and swamp in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> well, what made it wonderful is that you didn't have to walk around the swamp. They had these hanging bridges. Ah. Uh. 
Well, so you could dangle uh, yourself above the gators. <laughs> that's right. And, and all the animals. You could walk, you know, you could get real close up to those animals. Uh, the only one that might have been able to reach you would have been the uh, uh, giraffes, you know. Oh, so it was, but, it was a zoo. Yeah. Yeah, you said, you said park. I didn't get zoo. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I should. I used the wrong term. Because right. It, well, it was more than just a zoo. It was actually like the zoo was one phase of the park, which right. had lots of other. That's very things. typical in a lot of places where the zoo is sort of set in a park. So they're, you know, if not, you know, overlapping, yeah. certainly adjacent to each other. So yep. uh, the uh, Orange County Zoo is inside of Irvine Regional Park, which is not far from where I live. So yeah. you hear the uh, animals in, in the evening sometimes. Well, I'm, I'm going to change the subject on you here. I did send you a little article on the uh, the uh, Intel chip. It's called Alder Lake, and the chip is called Raider, Raider, R-A-I-D-E-R. Did you see that uh, sent to you? No, the only thing I have is the Apple fans are going wild for universal control on iPad. Oh, wait a minute, right above oh. it. Okay, I see it. I see it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. MSI well, GE seventy six Raider review. Alder Lake is yeah. good with caveats. Yeah, and and if you flip down through the article, you see a big chart here: the good stuff and the bad stuff. And I think right. that tells you the whole thing. It's in there. Uh, the big problem is, holy cow, it's expensive three thousand yeah. five hundred dollars. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, this is the, the what we're talking about here is the MSI GE76 Raider laptop and that uses the new Al, uh, Intel Core i9 Alder Lake chip which Intel touted as faster than an M1 Pro or M1 Max. And yeah, it is at certain points, but it also uses three times the amount of energy in order to do that, <laughs> which means your battery life goes down the drain um on a it laptop. Is. It's just not even worthy of mention, in my opinion, because of, of the fact that it's uh, it's not the M1 type of technology that saves all the power. Right. And yeah. gets, gets, a, gets that good power versus performance curve, you know? Right. That, that It's just uh, what's, what's really amazing is the M1, that it gets the performance it gets <laughs> without yeah. sacrificing for, power. For, yeah, yeah, because, I mean, they, they, there's, this thing uses the, the, this, the i9 chip, the current i9 chip that was just introduced, uh, uses, you know, 100 watts of power to, to outperform the M1 Max that uses, you know, 30 or 40 watts of power. Um, you know, it's it's significant difference, and it barely beats it, um, you know, by using a lot more juice. I will say this, if you're if what you need A is Intel compatibility and B the fastest Intel compatibility you can get because the the M1 can, you know, fake it through Rosetta, but uh yeah. it, then then this is the way to do it. I mean, you know, but there are a lot of trade-offs. You know, if absolute yeah. speed is what you've got to have, then uh you know, then you're going to even though it's a laptop, you're going to plug it in wherever you use it, right? Because that way you don't have to worry about it. Uh, and you're going to live with fans that kick on because it's going to get hot because it's take, using so much energy. Um, right. You know, and so there are, there are caveats. And you look at it and you say, well, but that's what I need. It just depends on what your needs are. But for the average person, for the average laptop use, if you want a fast laptop, this is probably not the way to go. But there, this is sort of dev- designed as a gaming laptop, you know. So, oh, yeah. so what they really want is super high-end graphics 
And what's going to drive this more than anything else is not the Intel Core 9, but the NVIDIA GeForce RTX 3080 Ti chip that's in there that, that right. gives them the graphics that they want so that they can then, you know, play games at their highest resolution and, and you know, look the best with the fastest screen refreshes. So, yeah, yeah. You know, and for those cool. people, an M1 doesn't make any sense at all because the, you know, a- Apple doesn't really support gaming very well, um, uh, comparatively speaking, at least if you're one of those, you know, high-end PC gamers. So, right. you know, um, that's not to say Apple won't try to make more of a push there. You know, right now they're they're using their, you know, they've got their, what is it, their game, um, uh, the subscription service they've got for games. I can't remember what they call it, you know. And and they do have some of the high end games, but they're always like two year old versions of them. You know, they they get ported over to Apple a couple of years later. And so yeah. yeah, you know, if you're a big gamer, that's not going to do it for you. You want to play the latest version of everything with your buddies. Um, you know, then this might make sense, but it's not cheap, as they pointed out. <laughs> it's going to run very hot. It's not going to run on battery very long. Um, it's big and it's heavy. Um, you know, and it, well. It's it, it's not the kinds of things that you compare, right? You know, you it, know. it's a. Uh, but the holy cow, it's expensive. You know, you you load up the uh, the the sixteen inch iMac Pro with the M1 Max and see how how expensive it gets. That thirty five hundred dollars doesn't look so bad then. <laughs> You know, this and this is a bigger screen. It's a 17.3 inch screen. So it's even bigger than the 16 inch Mac, Um, you know, but it weighs almost three or six and a half pounds. It's ginormous. I think the uh, what the 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 largest um, uh, MacBook Pro weighs like 4.3. So it's, you know, 50 percent heavier and twice as thick and probably three times as hot and a third the battery life. So, you know, I mean, again, just yeah. depends on what your what your goals are, right? What's important to you. Um, yeah. Well, when you're comparing prices, I think you were mentioning the Pro and the Max M1s, right? Right, which is what they've compared this uh, the the i9 chip that's in this with. Intel has yeah. Intel has compared their new i9 i9 uh, series chip to and and said that it is faster than the M1 Max, which is the top of the line. Uh, chip in a, in a Mac right now, and and it beats the M1 Mac on several specs, but it's if you do anything by watt, you know if you say how fast is it by watt, or or you know how hot is it by watt, you know the Intel chip starts looking really bad really fast. Yeah. So you know it's it's it's, it's a matter of priorities. So this this looks like a heck of a machine, though. I mean, this is a very bumped up machine, and the fact that they're doing it, you know, in a laptop is impressive. But I imagine that you know when you start using it and pushing it at all, you're going to hear fans like a jet engine in this thing to keep it from melting on your lap. Well, I um, think these guys have been building uh, laptops though for gamers for some time. Oh, this they is have not the first effort, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just that yeah. they've got a an improved model right this is the latest one that now uses the the latest nvidia uh graphics chips and the latest intel cpus and so you know it's just the latest and the greatest but i mean look at this it's got a 330 watt power brick 330 watts 
I mean, I think 65 or 70 is something like is is what the top of the line um, iMac uses now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's we're under 100 for sure. And it's it's hard to imagine that you need that much juice to make this thing go. But again, if that's what you need, you know, you, you, when you go to buy a computer, you got to understand what you need, right? Because the average person isn't going to buy this computer, just like the average person is not going to buy a fully spec'd out iMac Pro Max with the M1 Max chip in it. You know, yeah. Quite honestly, there's a reason that the the you know MacBook Air is the number one selling Mac laptop. A, it's inexpensive, and B, it does everything you need it to do. You know, for 99% yep. of the people out there, that's going to be a great machine. You don't need all this other stuff. Um, now they're talking, uh, there was a guy I read, uh, watched a video that was reviewing uh, what's coming in the uh, uh, Mac uh, MacBook. Right. And he, he was kind of thinking that the... Uh, the MacBook Air is going to have. He was hoping it had a larger display, mm-hmm. and so do I. Because if I were to ever th- consider getting another machine, the size of the screen is going to be a bit the determining factor. Right. If it does you know? anything, my guess would be that it would go to the 14-inch, the same as the um, as the newest uh, iMac Pro or MacBook Pro, yeah. because that way then they only have to do- create one piece, and it just you know it's it's less complex of a supply chain right you know yeah i Um, I don't know if that's big enough but yeah but i I can't see the air getting much bigger than that if they're going to say in fact you know uh, i could also it loses loses some of its portability the bigger it gets exactly and 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 the cost goes up and the big selling feature on that is they've kept it at you know the entry point is less than a thousand dollars and so that's important to them. And so they'll look at that in terms of parts and say, you know, can we sell it for less than $1,000? If we can't, then we're not going to do it because that's important. Um, you know, they got to hit that price point, I think. Um, yeah. In fact, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if we see the MacBook Air do the exact opposite and go to a 12-inch like your little um, uh, uh, plain MacBook, you know, the now discontinued MacBook. I think yeah. that was designed to be a replacement for the MacBook Air at one point in time and and with Intel chips, they weren't able to make it work. Um, but uh, with their chips, with the M1 chips, they'll be able to, or M2 chips, they'll be able to do that. And then they would have a 12, a 14, and a 16 inch, and that you know just there's a sense yeah. of, sense of unity to that. Um, so yeah, I, I really expect that's what we're going to see. Is the um, um, you know it's I wouldn't be a bit you're, surprised you're, if the Air becomes a 14 inch. Or 12 yeah, one, the, the the fourteen inch one won't be below a thousand though. Right. It would be the it would be the twelve incher that's below a thousand. Right. Yeah, they would do a below a thousand twelve inch MacBook Air that looks a lot like the the MacBook Mini or whatever you want. I can't. You know, it was the just, it was just called the MacBook, but it was the twelve inch MacBook that had the really really low right. power Intel chips and was pretty underpowered and only had one port. You know, and I think they've learned from that. So they'll come out with that same sort of form factor with maybe a port on both sides. So you get two ports, um, you know, and that I, I could see that being the new air. And and then, you know, maybe maybe they would have two airs and you'd have a 12 and a, 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 and a 14 inch air. And then you would have a 14 and a 16 inch pro. I could see them tell, doing tell something me, like that. T- tell me why two ports is adequate. 
Well, the, I, just so that you can plug in something while it's still plugged into power and charging. You know, so if you needed a, a, to plug in a USB stick or something. But well, the, see, I think I think for sure it needs a separate, uh, uh, what's that kind of uh, oh, knockoff? MagSafe. Ma- yeah, Mag. Yeah. Mag- you're right, and I think I suspect what they would do is they might do what they did with the pros is give you two USB ports and a MagSafe, and you can charge it off of USB if you want, but MagSafe is the default way, and that way then you have two ports available. That would make more sense. You're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah, because I think they also learned their lesson there. People screamed loudly and 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 long about the fact that MagSafe was gone, and bringing and, they, you know they brought it back. Yeah, and finally. For those, uh, we, we, we need to get some good uh, uh, ex- expansion ports, you know, so that each or at least one of those things can give you at least four or five other. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the third party market or Apple themselves needs to do something about giving you a, 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 a port that plugs in or a device that plugs into your USB-C or your Thunderbolt, whatever, I guess it's going to be USB four, right. Which supports supports Thunderbolt that gives you then the ability to have like an SD card reader and others that you need multiple ports for different things. You maybe don't need them all the time, but that whole market is kind of crappy, (laughs) you know? Well, well, it just screwed everything up because I have a whole bunch of USB two or three, uh, hard drives and other right. things that I can't use with my uh, MacBook, you know? Yeah, yeah. And carrying a a bag full of dongles along with you is not a good solution. At the very least, they need to have one thing that pops in that looks like it belongs there and gives you some USB-A connectors because, guess what? I still have yeah. USB-A connectors, and I'm not going to replace all my, all my crap just because you guys decided to switch to a port too soon. Uh, well, yeah. And and here's the other problem. Every dongle that I've bought thus far has no powered ports so that when you plug in a USB hard drive that needs power from that port, right. it doesn't work. It right. doesn't work. Yeah. So I need I want one with at least two USB ports that are powered. Yeah. You know? Just like a real USB port was when it was on the computer. Right. I mean that's that yeah. was just absolutely Yeah, if you've got disgusting. an expansion port, then the port should be functional for everything. It shouldn't be just, oh, data only or, you know. I mean, you know, I, I really think there was a mistake by the entire industry when they started doing lightning and, and USB on the same USB-C connector. And I understand yeah. the idea is like one connector rules them all, right? And it should make life easier. But the problem is, is that you, you look at that connector and you never know what you're plugging into. You know, is it USB? Is it Thunderbolt? Does it have power or is it or is it data? You know, and there are cables out there that are power only just for charging and other cables that are data. And there's no standardized way of identifying them. So when I look at a cable, I don't know what it is. I have to plug yep. it in and try it and see if it works, you know, yeah. which defeats the idea of having a quick and easy just plug it in and it works port. Right. Yeah. Just plug it in and it doesn't work. Plug something else and it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, no. It's sort of have something that sort of works some of the time unless I bring the wrong cable along. I mean, it would have been so simple to code the color code the cables or something. Yeah. Or put an icon on the little plastic nubby up there, you know, that just says this is a power. This is a data. This is a, you know, but every cable, it should be a standardized marking on the cables as to what the cable does so that you can tell the difference between them, you know. 
yeah. that's not Apple's fault. That's the industry fault, right? That they they should have standardized that. That's the USB spec people messed it up. Yeah. So, you know, I was thinking too about the the laptops. I could also see Apple coming back and saying, you know what, MagSafe isn't going to be on the air. Use USB C to charge the air. Two reasons make me think that. One is Apple sometimes picks some odd what what seems to us anyway odd things to differentiate between the pro and the non-pro devices and b the uh magsafe connector is a slightly larger uh area which means that the device has to be a, a thick enough to support that whereas the usb-c connector is very small and narrow and so on the smallest device i.e a macbook air that is the size of the current or the previous macbook at 12 inches yeah. I could see them saying, on this device, you charge USB-C just like you do on an iPad. Yeah. I could see them doing that. You know, even And, and the people who complained about um, you know, MagSafe going away, they would say, well, if you want MagSafe, then get the Pro. It's got MagSafe on it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's probably the way they'll do it. I, I could see, you know, that, that just seems like a very Apple answer, right? And it gives them a, 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 an upsell. They can say, well, if you want that, then, you know, pay a little extra and get the device that has that. Yeah. We've got it. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens there. So, um, let's see. Um, I, I put a thing up about AirPods t- Pro 2. And, uh, you know, that's their wireless noise-canceling earbuds. Um, and you yeah. had, you've got AirPods Pro, but you kind of switched over to the, using the AirPods 3. Is that right? Well, until I lost them. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I've, I've not lost mine. I, I've lost them like for a day at a time, but I've never lost them beyond that. But I have run them through the wash machine a few times, and boy, that's no fun. Yeah. Um, I, I should say I've uh, the, the original AirPods. I, my AirPods Pro, I have not managed to wash to this point, so yay for that. Well, but, uh, Apparently, my find the AirPods thing says they're in my sofa somewhere, but I I, I don't know where. You yeah, know? yeah. Well, because you've that got... was the last that was the last place that it knew where where they right. were. Right, right. And of course, they've discharged since then. There's no power. Right. Yeah. So they don't they don't last forever. Be, because uh, you you're supposed to be able to make them beep. But, but it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, next time you have one of your grandkids over there, offer them a you know a buck to go find the. <laughs> said find them. They're in here somewhere. They'll they'll dig around underneath. <laughs> you know, and they'll get on their hands and knees and look underneath the 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 the. For those listening, yeah. his his sofa is not just a regular couch, but it's like got lazy boy type of stuff built into it. So there's it's mechanical and hollow on the inside. So. It's, Digging around underneath there, you know, there's a lot of metal chunks and motors and stuff. So. Well, and and I have trouble getting down on my knees. At right. That point anyway, That's so, why I'm saying you know. get get some somebody younger and more bendy to do that digging around <laughs> for you because I I good they're, idea. They're probably down in a cushion or you know inside the couch now somewhere. Uh, yeah, somewhere. On the positive side, it's dark down there, but it's a white box, so it's you know it's small, but it's it shouldn't That's be. That's right. It it should be easy to spot if if you know what you're looking for. Yep, yep. So anyway, noise cancellation is that what this new one's all about? Well, you know, I mean, the current pros have noise cancellation, which the the AirPods three did not. Um, but uh, with with you know noise cancellation or transparency mode to let stuff through, um, I I I think, and this is you and I doing supposition here, 
that they, there's two things. One is there's some rumors that they might actually do some some like health sensors in the AirPods because the skin in your ear is very very thin, and so from there they might be able to do like uh, blood oxygen and and blood pressure that that they can't do mm-hmm. on the wrist. So they might do that. And then the other thing that you and I had supposed was that these might be the first ones that use the U1 chip in addition to Bluetooth. So the Bluetooth will be, they'll be Bluetooth compatible for devices that don't have U1 chips. But if you have an yeah. iPhone 11, 12, or 13, those devices have U1 chips, and that's going to give them a much wider band of uh, frequency band in order to put much higher quality music into them so the sound quality will probably be significantly yeah. better if they do that and yeah so, now when, when are we expected to hear those about those this year sometime they're rumored to be something that they're going to announce and or release at that spring event that is ex, they're expecting in march so they're thinking yeah. that we might get the the 27 inch imac the professional or the higher end um uh airpod or uh or mac minis the new re- replacement AirPod Pros, and uh, and what was it? Oh, and an updated um, uh, iPad iPad Air is the other thing that's been rumored that that because the iPad Air is like uh, two year old tech, and when they introduced the iPad Mini, uh, they made it look like the iPad Air, except they updated it with uh, uh, you know better front-facing camera and better CPU, and so they figured that they would bump the air up to match the Mini, so those yeah. two will be equal. So, yeah. So those but this, the, will be 11, this will be the 11-inch device. Uh, no. Yeah, the Air is an 11-inch, or actually it's, I think they call that one a 10.9-inch, so it's slightly, it's physically the same size as the 11-inch Pro, but it's 10.9 inches so that they can say the Pro is better, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's got a better CPU in it, but yeah. So, uh, being an heir, you don't think they'll put a, an M1 in it. They'll stay with their... Uh... Correct, yeah. They, they, the, the Air and the Mini both have been using the A-series chips, which is the iPhone chip. And then the, the Pro, they went to the M1 chip, which is... I mean, let's face it, it's the same core chip. The only difference is, is that um, it has some uh, you know, additional... Uh, support for more memory and, and, and a few things like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of its naming, you know? Yeah. You know, it's, they're trying to, again, differentiate between the $600 air and the yeah. 800 or $900 pro. And, yeah. And, you know, and, and you're more willing to, uh, to pay that extra $600. If you, if you've got a, a fancy name like M1, huh? Yeah, well, and there's there's some other things like the the pros have uh, faster screen refresh. They do the 120 hertz screen refresh. So if you use the pencil a lot, the drawing yeah. keeps up with your with the tip of your pencil much better. Um, they have uh, four speaker sound instead of two speaker sound. So if you turn the uh, the pro sideways, it it then switches the right and left channels to right and left in horizontal or in or in portrait mode so it doesn't matter which way you turn it you're always getting speakers coming you know right channel and left channel um which the yeah. air the, the sound comes out of the bottom um you know uh, yeah the opposite i should say the the sound comes out of the opposite side that the camera is on uh regardless of which orientation you have the device turned in 
you know, so there's some things like that that you look at it and you go, you know, is it, you know, are these things worth it to you? I mean, when I decided to go from the 12.9 inch iPad Pro to the 11 inch, um, I looked at the air and decided the air was sufficient for me. And so when I replaced the 12.9 inch with a 11 inch device, I went with the iPad Air instead. Um, it just, mm-hmm. you know, I said, this works fine for the things that I use and do. And it's physically the same size and the, the tenth of an inch difference in the screen and the faster refresh and the, you know, a little bit better sound. I figure if I want better sound, I'll just put in my ear pods. Um, uh, yeah. You know, and so it was like, okay, I, 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 I don't, I don't see the $300 premium as getting me a whole lot. Um, of course, right, of course, shortly after that is when they announced the, the M ones. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to do that whole, when you dock it, it can run Mac OS. And then I would have said, oops, I made the wrong choice. Um, but either way, I made the choice before the M one pros were announced. So, you know, yeah. who knew I wasn't going to sit and, you know, I, I wasn't waiting. I, you know, I, I wanted to replace the device. So anyway, yep. You know, we'll see if if they do come out and support that, then I would consider upgrading to a pro. If if the if they set up the 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 iPad Pros to be able to run Mac OS when they're docked in a device with a pointing device yeah. and a keyboard, um, you know, or attached to a Bluetooth keyboard device and pointing device, yeah. um, then it, to me it would be worth it. But it you know lacking that, I don't see any reason to spend the premium to get the pro for my uses. So. Yep. Yeah. I think we're thinking along the same lines there. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what though, if they did, I would look at that and say, Oh, here's a thought. How about when they introduce the new, um, uh, Mac MacBook air that it's no longer under a thousand dollars. It's now, um, $1,200 and they go to the 14 inch. And that way they save on production costs because it's using the same monitor or the same screen as the 14-inch Pro. And instead, they say, if you want a less expensive Mac, get an iPad Pro because you can get the 11-inch iPad Pro for, I think it's 800 bucks, 799 or is it 899 I can't remember the exact price. But then you have to yeah. buy the keyboard. Well, if it's 799 plus that keyboard is another 200 or 300 bucks, that's still right at, that's, that's right at 1000 bucks. Yep. And, and now you could, you know, if they support the Mac OS when it's docked with the keyboard, voila. Why not? And that's how they keep it under a thousand bucks. They just say, well, you know, under a thousand bucks, this is the under a thousand dollar device. And that also gets more iPads in people's hands because people who are buying Macs would say, well, maybe I'll get that because I can run Mac on it. But I've got the iPad when I want it that way too. And that'll get more and more people using iPads to slowly phase them out of using Mac OS for for like internet browsing and stuff, you know? You know, I think we're within a year or two of this merger happening. Yeah. They've, they've, they've been very adamant to say that, you know, that Mac OS is never going to add touch, but they've never said that we're going to have a device that doesn't have touch that can, can also run Mac OS, you know? So when the right. iPad is in Mac OS mode, the touchscreen's disabled. It doesn't do anything because Mac OS doesn't support that. But you, you know, pull it off the dock, uh, off of the the keyboard cover, the Pro cover, whatever they call it. Um, then it then it's an iPad, just a regular iPad. That's right. 
Yeah, I really think, I mean, they've set themselves up to do that. It just seems like it's so obvious that that's what they're going to do. You know, whether they do or not is a whole other story, but it just seems obvious that that's the direction they're going. Yeah. You know, um, but we'll yeah, see. Well, if, if they'll do that and get their little uh, uh, network, uh, what is it, A1 or whatever it is, oh, network the, the, going. The U1 um, uh, ultra wideband. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the wideband network. Yeah, uh, those those will both be significant uh, improvements. Yeah, so the the magic keyboard, which is the one that the the keyboard for the iPad that has the touchpad on it, is three hundred bucks. Starts at three hundred bucks. I think it's it's uh, I think it's fifty dollars more for the um, for the thirteen inch version, but the eleven inch version is three hundred dollars. And so uh, and then the iPad Pro. 11 inch is dump 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 wait is 7.99 so are right are you thinking that the, that the electronics in the keyboard itself will contain the code to do the uh, OS no that, that i think that's going to already exist in the iPad the it's just that oh. to 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 activate mac mode you have to have a keyboard and a pointing device because that's what Macs have to have right. is a keyboard and a pointing device so whether yeah. whether it docks in that um in that keyboard or whether it you, you attaches bluetooth to a mouse and a keyboard doesn't really that's matter just, as long that's as that's just your mode that's just your mode switch exactly that then activates the ability to use it in mac mode is, is yeah. having a the, the the fact that those two devices exist and are attached to your device right and whether you do right. it through the through their um through their accessory or whether you just have a Bluetooth mouse and keyboard that attach to it doesn't really matter as long as it you have that. So technically you you know you could have a a 799 Mac now if you have the 11 inch iPad and you already own a Bluetooth mouse and keyboard. Right? So that's that's right. a real interesting value story for them to say you know now our entry point for a Mac is 799 for a portable Mac. Yeah. Um you know, and if yep. you if and and if you want to buy the 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 schmancy keyboard that we've got, that gives it to you as a you know single unit that's portable. By the way, that keyboard, um, uh, when I had decided I was going to buy an 11 inch uh, iPad, I saw that keyboard on sale somewhere. Before I had decided whether I wanted the Pro or the Air, they both they they use the same keypad the, the, that fits the 11 inch device. Um, I, instead of two ninety nine, I saw it on sale for one ninety nine, which is you know thirty three percent off. So I bought that. So I have that keyboard um, as an extra, you know, as a keyboard. And then I bought uh-huh. the then I bought the iPad afterwards to snap into it. Um, so I, I and I use it that way most of the time. I use it almost like a laptop a lot of the time. Um, you know, now it's not unusual for me to pull it off the magnetic thing and just use the iPad in my hand, but. But I usually snap it back in that case and close it, and that way I've got a full keyboard with it most of the time. Well, if if all of this happens, what do you think that'll do to the Microsoft uh, market for their uh, uh, what's that pad they have the uh, Surface tablet? Surface, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that the um, the Windows people don't consider this as an option because they use windows and that's what they're comfortable with. And they're not going to go. It's hard to make that change. I've, you know, I, I did it, but I did it because I, you know, in, in my job working with newspapers, I was, 
supporting both Windows and Macs for years. And so I was familiar with both operating systems and had been for a long time. So it wasn't hard for me to go back and forth between them. But most people, once you're used to the way things work on an operating system, it's uncomfortable to change. Yeah. You know? Is is there enough similarity between that their uh, current Windows and that other Windows, whatever they call it? I don't know what other Windows you're talking about. Well, most it's not the same, not the same OS on a regular machine and on their tablet kind of device. You're mistaken. Most of their tablets run Intel processors, and it runs the regular version of Windows and runs everything a Windows machine can run. They have one version of their tablet that runs an ARM chip and runs a version of Windows that, to the end user, looks exactly the same. They wouldn't know the difference. Um, but that one, if you run that version of their operating system, then some apps won't run as well because they're going to, they're not uh, compiled properly for the for the uh, ARM processor. But oh. mo most of those Surface tablets run an Intel processor in them. It's a low-powered one, like the like the um, MacBook that you've got, like your 12-inch MacBook. Um, yeah. But they even the have. They have Low some that have, but they have some that are a little bit higher. I mean, they have some some you know i sevens and i fives that are available in those devices. Um, ah. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at them, they look like they're the same size as iPads. Uh, they actually, I think, there's uh, they have um, each of their screen sizes are slightly larger and they're thicker. They're a little bit thicker um, in order to provide some cooling for the Intel chips. Um, yeah, but they're really nice devices. They really are. Um, uh, you know, I know several people who use them and, 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 you know, would never think of, of going to something else. It's like, once they went to that, it's like, oh, this is the easiest laptop I've ever had. Um, but they really don't use them as tablets. You know, yeah. I see the guys in, on NFL using them as tablets and watching video and stuff. And basically they're a one app, you know, they use one app and that's a video management app that they use to like see replays and stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's designed for the football you know, managing yeah. a football game and watching the video from that. And so that's that's what they're using. And that was written basically as a touch app. So I'm sure that there are, and, and this is not a world that I live in a lot these days, so I admittedly am, am not, don't know all the details, but there is plenty of um, uh, apps that are written for that device that are, you know, are designed to be more touch-driven on the on the Windows side. Windows been supporting touch for, on, on you know, in the base operating system for a long time um you know they just took a different tack than than apple did you know yeah um I, I like apple's solution i just would like to have one device that lets me pick which solution i want to use at any given point in time and i think that's what the ipad pros are inching towards so we'll see you know yeah you know i think the the idea of of a modal device that it says you know when it's when I don't have a, a keyboard attached, I am definitely an iPad. When I do have an e a keyboard attached, then I can be an iPad or a Mac. You pick which one you want to run. Yeah. Um, that, to me, is the ultimate solution. Because you use them differently, and they do different things differently, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. You, uh, you put a thing in here for Apple SE. Yeah, the Apple Watch. So, um, yeah, there was uh, an article. I just thought it was kind of interesting where they were talking about um, 
you know, comparing like the Apple Watch 7 versus the Apple Watch SE. And the 7, the SE was actually introduced when the 6 came out. So, um, but the 7, you know, you go to a little bit bigger screen. And uh, and other than that, the 7's not that different than the 6 in terms of actual features, other than the slightly larger screen. And, and obviously the new face that only runs on the Apple 7. But, uh, you know, in my mind... BSE is a dud, and and the reason, and and I guess you know, I, I wouldn't, I'd buy the SE before I'd buy the three, which they still sell. There's no way I'd buy a version three of that watch. Um, yeah, it's such an old, you know, old slow, yeah, weaker battery version of the Apple Watch compared to what we've got today in the modern ones. The SE was basically the the Apple Watch five, but they took away some features, so it doesn't have all of the sensors that the Apple Watch 5 had, and it doesn't have, and this was really important to me, the main feature of the Apple 5, Apple Watch 5, was it was the first one that had the always-on display. And so when the 6 came out, they quit making the 5. They started making the SE, which was the 5, without some sensors and without the always-on display. And I thought, Hmm. you know what? And In fact, I was looking for a watch for one of my daughters, and... um, uh, you know, an inexpensive one. And I looked at the SE and said, you know what? I can buy a refurbished, factory refurbished Apple Watch 5 for the same price. And that's a better watch. So I bought that instead because it had the always-on display um, huh. and and had the full array of sensors that the, that the Series 5 had. Um, you know, and, and basically the Series 6 was the uh, Apple Watch 5 with uh, the addition of the blood oxygen sensor. And the 7 is a Series 6 with a slightly bigger screen. So it's, there hasn't yeah, well, been a whole lot added in the last couple of generations of the Apple Watch. Yeah. You know, in terms of well, what what they can do in terms of sensors and stuff. This article uh, chose the SE over the 7 yeah. based on the price and capabilities there. Yeah, and I can, and, and I, I understand that. That's why I kind of brought it up because I thought, you know, I disagree with their... their, their um, uh, there's their analysis, but I guess again, it depends on what you prioritize, right? Um, I mean, it's it's basically a hundred dollars more to get the seven, but for that hundred dollars, mm-hmm. you pick up a couple different sensors. One of them is the blood uh, oxygen. One of them is the ECG capability. Um, but you also give up the always on screen, and and if you've not worn a watch, you know, a digital watch that has the always on screen, you don't know what you're missing. That's all I can say. Um, the ability to not have to move my hand at all and just glance down and see what time it is, like a real mechanical watch, yeah. is that's a deal breaker for me. I would not go back to a watch that doesn't have that. You know, now if you're if it's your yeah. first digital watch or you haven't, um, uh, or or you have you, you're you're upgrading from a watch that doesn't have the always on screen anyway, then I guess you wouldn't know what you're not missing, or know what you're missing rather. Um, but I think if you've used one at all, you wouldn't go backwards. Just flat out wouldn't do it. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. Um, I, I just felt like that was, I, I disagreed with what their, their conclusion was personally. Now you have a seven, right? And you went from a four that didn't have the always on screen to the seven. Yeah. Right. And yeah, so I, I like the, I like the on screen display, uh, but uh, by the time I traded in my other one, I'm 
my price was nearly as high as these right. watches indicated yeah. here. You, you got back that $100 difference, which made it e- an easy choice. Yeah. What uh, uh, They have 10 watches down here at the bottom, and I don't quite see bet- between one and another just what the differences are, uh, different places that sell them, I guess. That's all that is. That, that, that's all that is, is them showing you different prices that you can get because that's a link. That's how they pay they pay themselves so if you uh, if you click on that link and go buy that watch there then they make some money i see yeah so that's all that yeah. is but uh yeah not only do you you know i mean when you think about it with the apple watch 7 i mean i said the only difference between the 6 and the 7 was a slightly larger screen that's not 100 percent true because you also get the faster uh charging um and so, you know, it'll charge more quickly. So if you use your watch throughout the day and sit down for a few minutes, you can charge it up pretty quickly with the, the 7. And But I never thought that the old one charged that slowly. I, the watch has always charged pretty quickly in my mind. Um, so. Yeah, watches don't take long. Yeah. I mean, it's a small battery to begin with. So. Right. It charges pretty quick. Um, but, uh yeah, you know, I, I, the bottom line is I think that no matter which Apple Watch you end up with, it's it's if you start using some of the um, the health data and stuff, and you'll find that it's it's a very very um, likable device. You know, I um, yeah I found that I don't, you know, I've got several mechanical watches that are fairly fancy watches. I mean, not you know, I don't have you know thousand dollar rolexes or anything but i've got some nice mechanical watches and i like dressing up and wearing those every once in a while but every time i wear one of those now i immediately feel bad because i can't check my rings i can't you know check my heart rate i can't you know it's just the little things that the little health things that i get i really like and i pay attention to um uh i miss i miss when i don't wear my apple watch so uh the, this other you have another article here that, that deals with these IDs, Apple IDs, uh, di- digital IDs. I guess is the way they refer to it. I do. And uh, I haven't had a chance to read this. What what does that really? I, I don't. I did not send you anything on digital IDs. The only other article that I sent was uh, the one iOS feature that they promised us that's not out in fifteen yet. I don't know where you're seeing digital IDs. Oh, what did you do to scroll down the page further? Yeah. Okay. Uh, digital IDs in an Apple Watch. Uh, the thing that they don't have yet was that universal stuff, right? Because it's not. Um, that, no, the, the, the one. No, the one thing in iOS 15 that they haven't that we haven't seen yet that they had promised us when they announced it back in the fall is, uh, oh, that's the digital IDs. Gotcha, gotcha. That's the wallet. Yeah. So what it is is your uh, driver's license. There are several states that said that, that they will allow you to have a digital driver's license so you don't have to carry a card with you anymore. It'll just be in your Apple wallet. And so they were working with them. They were also going to work with the TSA uh, so that if you're flying, they'll accept that as an ID. And so they're trying to get that all certified. So that's part of what's taking time is they're working with the government, trying to, in fact, multiple governments to say, if we have a digital version of the ID, you know, and here's the process we go through to verify that this is that actually that person when we create the digital version of it, you know, will you now accept that? So if you're going through your the security line at the airport, will the TSA checkpoint except you showing your ID on your phone as opposed to pulling out a card. Right. Um, 
you know. But uh, they said that Arizona, Connecticut, Georgia, Iowa, Kentucky, Maryland, Oklahoma, and Utah have already said that they are um, uh, going to support this and it will be available there. Um, then that there's 30 other states uh, that will are, are exploring the idea of doing a digital ID and how they're going to do it. Um, you know, so and I, th- I think Apple coming is just taking time. R- exactly. It's just that's the you know, of, of all the features that they pointed out when they announced the OS, this one hasn't shipped yet. But I think a lot of this is sort of beyond their personal control. It's not they haven't worked out the technology. It's that they're still working their way through the the glut O government stuff. And I think part of it, too, is is that as they're doing this with governments, they're trying to do it in a way that is not proprietary to Apple so that, you know, because governments aren't going to say we're going to pick Apple as the only people who have IDs. So they're trying to figure out what's a standard way of making sure that this is a, you know, a secure version of your ID that we will now accept as an actual ID, even though it's digital, but that it's a standard so that, you know, it could be implemented on other phones as well. It, sure. you know, it's not something that they're going to make an Apple-only thing, even though Apple seems to be kind of the first one out the door with it. And so, you know, they're, in addition to getting everything approved, also trying to create and set a standard that then others could implement if they want to. Um, yeah. You know, I think it makes perfect sense, um, you know, and, and then, you know, you can pay your fee and, and get your, uh, your, your driver's license updated electronically at some point instead of having to go into the DMV. I think that that makes perfect sense. I mean, us walking around with plastic cards in our pocket doesn't, you know, there's that's no, right. there's no real reason for that other than that's just the way we've done it. <laughs> and so just, an, just another way to use Apple pay, right? Right. Well, and if it's if it's digitally encrypted in hey say say a blockchain of all of the state's IDs, um, it's going to be even more secure than a card. Cards can be copied and faked. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I uh, I had a, co- a problem being in church with uh, watch going off and phone uh, yeah and then, and then finally I uh, took my watch off of my wrist right and i put and i put it in my pocket and that sort of seemed to quiet the watch once it right. realized it was no longer on yeah okay? it's it's not verified guess, attached to you but guess what then it transferred all those noises and sounds to my phone which i right. didn't have turned off right <laughs> so quick and easy so, stuff on your watch if you scroll up from the bottom you get the control panel for your watch and one of the options there is silence it looks it's like a little line drawing of a bell and if you tap on the bell that the icon becomes red and puts a line through the bell and that means your watch is silenced so that shuts up your watch on your phone there's a switch on the side that you can flip me- mechanical switch that will actually silence the phone if you want to but you can also pull from the top right corner on the face id phones to bring down your control panel and just tap airplane mode and that then disconnects it from everything and and you won't get annoyed okay that's what i ultimately did however if i had done that just by itself it wouldn't have affected the watch and under the watch app I found a, a thing that says, make the watch do what the phone does. So, well, like I said, if you go, if you scroll up from the bottom of the watch, you yeah, get the watch's that. control panel. And one of the, one of the options there is silence the, the, the watch. I have my watch silenced all the time. My watch never dings. Uh, it just buzzes against my wrist. 
but um, yeah. but airplane mode should have shut off both of them because you don't have a watch that has its own cell connection, right? That's correct. If you yeah. had a watch with its own cell connection, then you're right. It would keep dinging and binging. But if you put your phone in airplane mode, your watch has no way. It, it uses the phone to attach to the Internet. So there's no way it would have gotten messages either. Okay. Now, I thought that there was a uh, another system entirely that Apple has for environments. I'm in this environment, and I can set all the conditions for that environment. Like, I'm in church now. Therefore, I want yeah. this, 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 and this. All right? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's done by geographic location. It's done by time of day, and it's. It used to be that there was one mode, and it was like nighttime, right? And they've since set that up. And I'm trying to remember the name, um, the feature that what they call it, um, but it's it's focus. So you can set the focus differently depending on time of day but if you have a regular schedule you can say hey you know i'm in church at this time on these days because i have a schedule and you can say during that time turn on do not disturb mode okay i i see focus on the control panel in the phone you know the, that i pull down yeah and it's got a button and i can say do not disturb and that should shut everything off huh yeah okay because it's got just do not disturb sleep driving personal get started it says and right. work get started and you can and you can go to each of those or create your own names i think get started allows you to create your own name um, and you can set different focus modes and what does and doesn't work or what is and is not on during that time yeah okay Oh, there's a new focus, a plus button to add a new focus. Right. So I could add a church focus there if I wanted to. Yeah. I could, you know, stuff could still come in and, and they would be disturbing, but church would shut off the alarms or, you know. Right. I, I guess disturb, it won't even vibrate. Is that what that one means? It totally makes your phone dead like, you know? Yeah. Um. It's, it's. I think what it does is it shuts off like messages and phone calls, and so it acts like you're busy. But it—I uh, just sent you a YouTube video on how to use focus modes. It's like four minutes long. You can watch it, but don't turn it on now because it'll start talking while we're talking. Excuse me. Um, but the um, uh, the it, it it so it shuts down those things. But I don't think by default that that it also blocks like if you have an alarm set. Your alarm will go off. I I just uh, on the right of do not disturb sleep and driving. It has these three dots. Right. I push I push the three dots for do not disturb, and it'll go. Do not disturb me for an hour until this evening or until I leave this location. Right. Yeah. So you could do you know when you go to church you could do do not disturb, but you could also set up a shortcut that sets that mode when you arrive at that geographic location. You can geofence your church. And just say automatically go into do not disturb mode until I leave this location. Uh, anytime I come to this location, so you can use shortcuts yeah. to do that. So that might be fun for you to sit down and figure out. Yeah, a shortcut that automatically does it, right? Yeah, yeah. it's like put me in do not disturb mode because anytime I'm at church, I really don't want phone calls and messages binging and dinging. <laughs> right. Imagine that. <laughs> uh, I think I think that's a good one. Yeah. 
Okay. Is that a good place to close on? I think so. I think that covers the day. We went for quite a while. Um, yeah, hour and 42 minutes. Been a long show. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Anybody who's listening, we appreciate you listening and your support. Please give us a good score on uh, iTunes if you're listening to uh, our uh, Apple podcasts. And uh, if you like this show, you might want to check out our other shows. We have Two Minute Tech and uh, Two for Brew on the Shack Outback Network. And so there's lots of listening to be had. Have a great week, and we'll be back next week. See you, Dad. See you, Todd. Bye, everybody. Hola. How are you this morning? Not too bad, not too bad. It's kind of cool and overcast here today, so. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Well, I'm getting my phone on, which I had on the charger, and it just uh, finished. So mm-hmm. now I can now I can head to my little mm-hmm. small room over here, get some privacy. We can get started. Uh, let's see. Hmm. Oh, I got a phone charger again. I'm going to have to get the charger for my iPad. I'll be right back with you in a minute. Okay. like my uh, uh, iPad is always being discharged and never getting charged. <laughs> well, you sit and use it all day. Do you plug it in at night? <laughs> oh, you going to pull it? Just a minute. Still there? Never went anywhere. Oh, I, my thing went off. I couldn't hear you. That's what. Yeah. Nope. I've been sitting here, listening to you shuffle about. Anyway, <laughs> I use my iPad so much that I, and it goes up and down. It doesn't seem to hold a charge much anymore. Uh, because I use it so much and bring it down and then bring it back up. <laughs> yeah. Recharge numbers. I don't know. They used to post them somewhere, but 
There's under settings. There's a thing called battery, and it'll tell you what the strength of your battery is, and how yeah. how, how well it holds a charge. And they say if it gets down to to uh, you know below eighty percent, that that means that your your battery is probably not working the way you want it to. Uh, in settings under battery, uh, let's see. There's battery. Yeah. Uh, uh, last 10 days. There's like a, just a battery health number somewhere that just tells you like it's, you know, when you charge it, this is the most charge you're going to get. And it's a percentage of what it was able to do when it was new. Uh, I see. Battery usage percentage in, in the right side here. It's about 50% now. Yeah, that's telling you what it is now. That's not what I was talking about. There's another one that's like just tells you the battery health. Let me see if I can find it on my device. Um, yeah, if you tap on the word battery health, then it'll tell you what its maximum capacity is. I don't see battery health. It's, you, don't, you don't see bat battery health as an option anywhere? It's near the top on mine, but I'm looking at a phone. I don't have my iPad in front of me. Oh, well, I'm I'm on the iPad. Uh, under battery, it says battery percentage and low power mode. Okay, well, hold on a second. I've got a, a iPad that I can... I can open up real quick and look at it on an iPad. Let's see if I can see defaults. Battery. Yeah, battery percentage, low power mode. As you use your iPad, battery usage will be reported here. You're right, it doesn't show you the history like it does on the phone. That's interesting. On the phone, it actually tells you the battery health. It'll come back and tell you what percentage of total capacity can your... Excuse me, can your phone be charged too? Which is handy. Huh. So. Yeah. Anyway, let's start, and then we can talk about batteries then if you want. Because <laughs> we don't have a whole lot to talk about. I so. see. It says, it says on my uh, phone, the services. Oh, you said. More about service options. Because your battery's no longer holding a, uh, uh, at least 80% charge on it? Yeah, significantly degraded. It says. Mm -hmm. so, so they want to replace. They want to replace my battery. Right, which they'll do for eighty bucks. Or you could just say, "Hey, I'm using a four-year-old phone. Maybe it's time to upgrade." Yeah, that's probably the more logical thing. Yeah. Yeah, maximum capacity is only eighty-two percent. Ah, see, you're not even under eighty. Yeah, uh, they. From what I've read, if you you know, it, it, once it goes under eighty, is when you really need to worry. I mean, it's so yours is on the downhill slide, but yeah. Okay, let me do a quick start, and then we will um, uh, we can go from there. We'll add this to uh, post show notes or something. Okay, <laughs> the battery okay. conversation. <laughs> okay, Todd. All right. Uh, 